going on, FA Nation? Welcome back. Uh, this is the Fantasy Alarm NASCAR DFS podcast. I'm Dan Malin, joined by the FSWA three-time NASCAR writer of the year, Matt Sells. Matt, how you doing? What would you think of New Hampshire? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. I actually enjoyed the New Hampshire race. I know Truex dominated it pretty thoroughly, but, uh, you know, sometimes that happens, right? Sometimes one guy is just better than everybody else. Um, I thought NBC did a great job of covering passes happening back in the field, ha- uh, covering battles happening back in the field, especially that weird one between Austin Dillon and Brad Keselowski. Like, that was super bizarre. <laughs> um, and by the way, if you listen to uh, Door Bumper Clear from Dale you know, from Dirty Mo Media, it's got spotters on there, uh, including, I believe, Brad spotter, TJ Majors. Uh, who didn't have any clue what the hell started it. And neither did Austin Dillon's spotter, by the way, either. So <laughs> nobody knows what, what that was about. Uh, I thought it was a pretty good, pretty good race. Um, really makes the playoff picture very interesting. Like 14, 14 new drivers, yeah. So are we going to have a winner who doesn't make it? <clears throat> it's possible. I mean... I mean... Because you still have Truex, Harvick, and Blaney who have not won. You still have a Daytona race where, you know, anybody from Stenhouse to Austin Dillon to Ty Dillon to McDowell, anybody could win that race and potentially, as long as they're in the top 30 in points, could could make it into the playoffs. Right. Kozlowski hasn't won and he needs a win to make it because of the penalties yeah. from early this year. Um, so, Yeah. We could we could have a situation where a winner um, of a race doesn't doesn't make it. You also have Bubba who hasn't won this year, as far as I'm aware. Correct? He won last correct. year. Correct. Yeah. So uh, if he wins some, Daytona, he's had some pretty good speed, man. He finished third at New Hampshire. Yeah. Um, granted, it was like 11 seconds back at Christopher Bell, but that's kind of what happens <laughs> late in races there. Um, well, I think we just saw like how huge track position in the clean air was for whoever yes. was out for because, you know, Truex had it for most of the race. And then when he didn't have it in stage three and Bell had it and Truex's car looked like it was kind of just, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Eh, in dirty air working its way through the field. But, you know, when you have clean air and you're out front, you're going to run away with the race. Yeah. So um, it was also interesting. We found another driver who's not the biggest fan of lobsters. Christopher Bell was like, I am not the biggest fan of laughter, but my wife definitely wants me to bring this one home. <laughs> it's a 21-pound lobster <laughs> for that race. So, um, yeah, I thought it was I thought it was a very nice stop in New Hampshire. Um, the crowd looked awesome. I will say that. The coverage was good again. Uh, did they and, have uh, Dale Jr. doing the play-by-play? Yes, they yeah, did. That's pretty good, yeah. NBC will do that a few times, a few more times this year. It was scheduled to happen uh, on Sunday. What was weird, though, and what I don't fully understand is why did they fly Rick Allen up to? Um, I mean, I guess did Rick Allen cover the Xfinity race? I didn't catch very much of the Xfinity race and in the catastrophe that was. Uh, I did, but I had the Xfinity race on mute because I was watching and listening to the UFC broadcast, which was on. At oh, the right. Because it was time. early. Yeah, it was an early UFC card. Yeah, right? it was an early one last week, which made no sense because it was in Long Island and it had an 11 a.m. start time. But 
Yeah, so I didn't really listen to the audio for the net for the Xfinity Series race. I watched it. Um, had a pretty good DFS day. Um, I mean, I would presume that Rick Allen did it because he was there for practice and qualifying for Cup on Saturday. But that was yeah. kind of my confusion was if you were if you knew you were going to have Junior do the the play by play, why'd you send Rick Allen out for one day to <laughs> go to New Hampshire? Um, so but yeah, now we turn our attention to the Tricky Triangle and Pocono. For one race this year, there's no doubleheader this weekend. There's no uh, coming back in six weeks. It's down to one race, which is probably good because uh, it's kind of a terrible track. Yeah, I mean, you'll get um, different opinions on it. It's not one of my more favorite tracks. I think my DFS history here isn't It's not great. Um, typically with Pocono, as we've seen in the past, and the last two years are really weird to gauge and get a read on only because you know they ran double headers and the results of the first race dictated the starting order of the second race because they would invert the top 20 from the first race and also there was qualifying set for the first race by formula and not actual qualifying so and so and as is the case with pocono it's it's huge it's flat you get just long green flag runs where everybody gets spread out and it becomes increasingly more difficult to pass and when you kind of have that kind of racing i'm not a big fan now we might see better racing with the new car i hope that's the case um but for me you know i'm not we're not going to mail in the podcast by any means but this could potentially be a week where i am playing significantly lighter for the cup series i do think i have some interest in the truck and Xfinity series because the strategies for all three races are a little different. I think there's about 160 laps for the cup race. Yes. So there are dominators to target. There's over hundred dominators, dominator points available, but for the truck race, it's only 60 laps. So I'm almost approaching it. Like it's, I'm not going to, I don't want to go too heavy stacking the back because um, with only 60 laps, you know, you really need some chaos to get people starting really deep in the field. to potentially Which has start. happened, though. Like, last yeah. year's truck race at Pocono was nuts. They had chaos all over the place in that race. So, you kind of need the same thing to happen again this year. Um, so, I am pretty intrigued. Uh, but, again, like, you only have 40 or so Dominator points to work with for that race. I think Xfinity, the Xfinity Series race is, like, 90 laps, and then... For the Cup Series, you can easily target the Dominators. Um, but, you know, I really we don't really know what to go off of, as we were talking about before yes. this podcast. So you would think that a track that's been raced on this much in NASCAR history, we'd have a pretty good idea, right? Well, here's the problem. As, as Dan touched on uh, a minute or so ago, the last few races here have been doubleheaders with inverted fields, right? So... You know, what are we supposed to make of that? You can't trust the finish positions because if you finished first in one race, you started 20th and then you had to move back up. Uh, If you finished 20th, you started on the pole and maybe you could hold a top 10 spot because passing can be tricky at the tricky triangle. Um, And so if you finished 21st in the first race, you started 21st. So, like, you automatically got to jump on, like, half the field. So it's super bizarre to try to take a whole lot of stuff from the last few races other than a little bit of strategy the car is obviously different this year than it was here last year but on top of that Goodyear 
is running a brand new tire here. Now, they tire tested it back in March. There are three drivers that did the tire test here. Um, but it's a combination that has not been run yet this year. So are teams going to try to cheat the uh, tire pressures like we saw early in the year and had tire tires go flat and whatever? Will a tire fall off um, down the middle of a very long straightaway? <laughs> I don't know. So... There's a whole lot of unknowns here. We also don't know, will we get a typical Pocono race, which is either a guy just holds on to the lead for a while and then the top five gets spread out by, like, five seconds a pop. Or the other strategy here is fuel mileage, right? Usually a Pocono race ends in fuel mileage. It doesn't really matter how it starts. The last several have been fuel mileage Races, in fact, I believe last year Kyle Larson uh, had a tire go down late, and Bowman took the lead because his teammate went into the went into the wall uh, several years ago. Chris Busher won it on a fog bank caution because there was fog in turn two, and he was the leader because he didn't pit, and everybody else pitted, and they never went back green. So Chris Busher got his first win here. So this is a track where you can have weird stuff happen. Also, by the way, rain is in the forecast on Sunday, last time I checked. Uh, that may have updated since a day or so ago, but last time I checked, there was about a 50% chance of rain on Sunday afternoon. So we'll have to see what happens with that as well. Yeah, I thought that for Atlanta and was getting my hopes up for an early finish to that race, and it just didn't happen. Yeah, the benefit here is they don't have lights at Pocono. So. Yeah, all right. <laughs> so... If there's a rain delay or a fog delay because the rain doesn't come but it fogs, then it might be a short one, right? But that's kind of why you can't take a whole lot of stuff you've seen previously about Pocono is like hard and fast rules here, right? You kind of got to take it with a grain of salt. So given everything that you just said, is there any change to your content this week in terms of uh, what you're putting out? I know rankings have kind of been... Uh, I mean, I guess I kind of started this, but when I had to cover the cup playbook a couple weeks ago, I forgot to do the rankings. <laughs> um, yeah, they've kind of been phased out a little bit. Um, and there'll be, I can hint that there'll be, there might be a few more changes coming um, as well. And it's basically to like not put out a bunch of content that's not getting paid attention to, right? So like when we posted the rankings articles, they weren't really getting read. I know some people have asked for them in Discord. If you ask for them in Discord, I probably will give them to you, you know. But um, so I have not yet formulated how I'm going to do the track breakdowns, to be perfectly honest. I know it's supposed to come out. We're recording this Thursday night. Track breakdown now comes out Friday because I changed the schedule there so that it comes out two days before the race. Um, just to make it a tighter, neater content window um, and whatnot. Um, but I have not yet formulated what what you know what we're doing because in terms of similar tracks, well, they haven't run Indy, the Indy like oval in a while in a comparable car, right? Um, Pocono, they we just explained haven't hasn't been run normally in a while and. I really don't know that there's that many. I mean, maybe Auto Club because you get the two mile and it's 
shallower than Michigan, so it's more horsepower in track position. But I don't know. There's not really a whole lot of long, flat tracks you can compare this thing to, and now there's new tires. And so it might be more of a strategy piece. Um, I'll probably try to sneak some data in there. Um, that odds to salary table seems to be pretty popular for right now. So um, probably have a, a bit of data, but probably not a full-blown track breakdown. If I could just uh, be brief in how I'm analyzing the Cup Series this week. If I, if I play it light, which is, I think I might just do the Chrome Horn, which is, you know, 80 bucks to max enter. Um, <laughs> I think I'm just going to make sure I'll look at practice notes and speeds see like you know where everyone's qualifying and then i'm just gonna play good drivers like drivers that have like drivers that i trust that have been fast like it's a good week to probably load up on track house you know sure ross Chastain is expensive but you know daniel suarez is still pretty reasonable and with his price tag um i mentioned him uh, on the twitter spaces last week but austin Sindrick has been very solid over his last five or six races i'm probably going to go to him a little bit and by the way if you if you tail uh plays based on car wraps he has the same wrap on his car that he finished fifth in the uh, all-star race with yeah. this week if we if we care about things like that yeah so like i'm just gonna play the guys that i probably trust the most ultimately and just make sure i can build sound lineups get some dominator candidates in there still get guys that i think can finish in the top 10 to 12 um make sure i have some win equity but i I don't want to overcomplicate it this week if i'm gonna just be playing an okay amount of my bankroll that i'm okay losing yep and uh, to borrow a phrase from F1, which, by the way, we have an F1 race this weekend. It's in France. I'll have full coverage for that one. Um, to borrow a phrase from F1, we got to take reliability concerns into question here this week because um, teams that have had reliability concerns about various things breaking or tires going down or brake problems or engine issues probably are going to have some of that this weekend. It's a pretty grueling race. Because uh, they're basically holding these cars flat out for two and a half miles a lap. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to play the guys that have been hot recently. And I might play some of the guys that are on the bubble for the playoffs. Because now is the time to start getting crazy with with strategies to see if they pay off. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm with you. It's basically... Gonna play the guys probably, and 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 going back to practice, it's gonna be very hard to judge long run speed because the track is so long. No I, one's getting nobody's laps. getting ten laps in a twenty minute session. Yeah, right. So like, and I'm pretty sure it's two twenty minute sessions this week. I don't think it's some teams are gonna run like six and seven laps and probably call it. Right, because if you figure if it's two and a half miles, I think usually you can click those off in about. What a Daytona lap is about a minute and a half, I think, which is two and a half miles basically. So, um, you know, you'll be close maybe, but you're going to want to make some adjustments, I would assume, right? So, you might have part of your garage go out and do 10 laps. And so, yeah, it'll be a little tricky to, to really take anything out of race runs at practice. All right, uh, schedule for this weekend, um, I kind of like it. We don't have a Friday race, so I'm not going to be struggling 
with work and trying to update everything in Discord. Uh, trucks will practice at 4.30. They will qualify at 5. Um, Xfinity, on Friday, yes. Yes, on Friday, sorry. Xfinity is up bright and early on Saturday with 9.35 a.m. Eastern time practice, 10.05 a.m. qualifying. Uh, the Camping World, the truck race playbook will be up Friday night into Monday, so you'll wake up Monday morning and it'll be there for you. Um, Xfinity Series playbook, once practice and qualifying in the starting order is finalized, uh, that playbook will be up shortly before 12 p.m. Eastern, so a little bit before the, the truck race goes green. I will have example lineups for the truck race. I'm on the fence if I'll have them for the Xfinity Series. Uh, I, if I don't, I will at least have core plays over there. Uh, Cup Series then qual practices at 2.35, qualifies after that, and then the Xfinity Series race goes green at 5 p.m. Uh, so really, Saturday is kind of an awesome day just to engage in some practice qualifying and you get a pair of races as well. Yeah, remember, though, that the trucks are still on Fox. Yep. And, and this is, this is the ahead. last truck race of the regular season. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. It's insane. <laughs> it's July. The championship is the same weekend as Cup and Xfinity in Phoenix. The championship is in the November and it's July yep. and it's the final race of Truck Series regular and season. You were saying like half the half the winners have not been have not been eligible for the Yeah, so like Zane Smith play. has won three times, John Hunter has like one win, Ben Rhodes one or two wins, and then I'm sure a couple other guys have, have Did a win. Kyle so. go down and win one this year? Yeah, Kyle Bush I think won two. Um Brian Priest, I think, won one. Corey Heim, who I don't know if he's eligible for the playoffs because he's not full-time in the 51. Like, he has two wins. It's been a weird year. Uh, but anyway, let's turn our attention to the Cup Series race. That's why everyone tuned in to listen. Uh, most expensive driver on the board, to no surprise, it's Kyle Busch. Uh, kind of underwhelmed last week at New Hampshire. Was really good in practice, qualified poorly, and then didn't move. Just didn't move at all no. on race day. And so uh, it was definitely weird. It, it Situations like that are why I'm so hesitant to, like, rely on, on practice data and who's fast. Because then it's like when they show up to race, sometimes we just don't see these guys move up and, and, and do anything. But he's the most expensive driver on DraftKings at 10600 Uh We were noting before the podcast started that in – and granted, this was a completely different car, but in nine of his last 10 races at Pocono, dating back to 2017, he's had a driver rating of 111 or better in nine races. And in those nine races, he finished top 10 with four wins in that span. Yeah. He really loves been... the tricky trying. Also, let's not forget the name of the race. Eminem's oh, yeah, Fan yeah. Appreciation 400. What is Kyle Busch's main sponsor? Mars Candy. AKA the candy man, M&Ms. Um, I think we've, we've done this before where we have kind of tailed him on weekends in which he's tied in with the sponsor or the last name, such as Kansas last year. Um, and it's proven to be, to be good. Also, there's his comments this week. Uh, basically how the sport's not in a good spot because he can't find a sponsor, which I don't know. I think if he started acting less like a baby when things don't go right, maybe he'd have an, an easier time finding a sponsor, but that's besides the point. Um, so I think he's kind of out to prove some stuff. So, yeah, it's not it's not surprising to see him 
as the most expensive guy. Let me check real quick and see who is the favorite on DK Sportsbook side of things here. Because uh, it's always interesting to me to go find if their top-priced driver is also the favorite in their sportsbook. Uh, and sure enough, he is. He's 7-1 on their sportsbook to win. Um, by the way, still even money to finish top five. That's pretty That's pretty interesting. It's pretty solid. <clears throat> yeah, Larson is a is like better than even money to finish top five. Like, you're do you getting... think Denny Hamlin is worth ten four? No. Neither do I. I don't get that. I don't. I know he's this won here the... twice, but what the yeah. hell are they doing? This is the second weekend in a row in which I have thought the price did not fit Denny Hamlin. Last weekend it was ten six. This weekend it's ten four. I feel like he's a below ten thousand dollar guy. Yeah, I agree. Like, okay. like Nashville was a real good race for him because he started on the pole because it was rained out, right? Um, was it Nashville that was rained out? I think it was Nashville that was rained out. Um, or the second round of qualifying was rained out? Something like that. Yeah, I think they ran one and he happened to have the fastest. The races well, are starting to blend together at this point in the season. Yes, and also, by the way, for those wanting a break, you could take one. I can't. We don't get a break until the end, of the, until the season ends in November. Yeah. So, um, like early when we're when it's like April, May, I can you know look at a driver profile on DraftKings and I could see like the Wise Power Four Hundred. I'm like, oh yeah, that was Auto Club, and I can easily really easily remember it. But I can't tell you like I can't tell you what the Toyota owner's Four Hundred was. That was Richmond. All right, well, one of us is good at their job. <laughs> Not to be confused with the Toyota Save Mart 350, which was Sonoma. Yeah. Um, but, like, even at 10-6, even with a sixth-place finish, starting 14th, he only put up 48 DK points, which is not anywhere close to 5X. So I don't understand the pricing here. Um, I just don't – I don't know what, like – I don't know. They've been off on Denny all year, it seems like. Like, they have either underpriced him and then he became a deal, or they've overpriced him and it's not been great. I don't know why you would go to Denny at 10-4, who has been wildly inconsistent. Now, granted, he has two wins, but you could just save 100 bucks, go to Truex, who doesn't have a win this year, but over the last month has had some very, very strong runs. He's He's had speed. You know, he led over 100 laps last week, uh, 27 the week before. I forget what. Yeah, at Atlanta. Yeah. Um, and then the, the Nashville one, he should have counted as finishing second because that, that pit strategy. This, the pit strategy at the end of that race was stupid. Horrifying. And he still put up 50 points even though he got negative 12 for position differential. So. Even at like, Gateway, he got out in front. So, I mean, he's he's right. getting dominators. He's just not getting the finish that he needs. No. So, and he's been good at Pocono. And, by the way, if we want to count this as a home race for Truex, we can because Pennsylvania borders New Jersey. So, <laughs> so, you know, we could count it. Uh, look, he's been a little hit and miss here. I think the speed right now is very good for Truex. So, I'm going to be in on him again this weekend. Um and for those of you that want to bet him, he's going off at ten to one. He's among four drivers that are ten to one to win. Blaney, Chastain, him, and Hervick are all ten to one to win on DK right now. We haven't really seen Ross Chastain collect as many dominator points as he was earlier in the year, but he's rolling off of six straight finishes in the top eight. 
just providing a pretty decent floor almost every week. Now he is at $10,000. Um, but, I mean, track has is just showing up every week. Tr- the, the track style doesn't matter. Like, you just yeah. have to assume that both him and Suarez are going to be fast. Um, for the price tags, like, Suarez is a nice play as well at 7900 He's got four top tens in his last five races. Um you know, including the win at Sonoma. So, I mean, 7,900 still seems a little too egregious for what he's been doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I guess we can I would, move on from Trackhouse. I mean, so, for Chastain, it's tricky this week because if he starts too far back, then he becomes chalk because everybody expects him to move up, right? Because he started 18th at New Hampshire, finished 8th. He was pretty popular as a play there, sub 10K, right? If he starts in the top 10, you're going to need him to lead laps or get a bunch of fastest laps to hit value. So it's kind of a tricky spot for Chastain at that price tag. Like, yeah, he's been good, right? You said six straight top eight finishes, which is great. But if you look back at the values, basically none of them hit value. Like only one of them did, really. Because he finished... Top eight at Gateway, 45 points, but he was 10,000. Okay, great. Yeah. Finished seventh after starting seventh at Sonoma, 38 points. 9,800 bucks isn't even 4X. Um, Nashville, top five finish, eight fastest laps, great. 45 points at 10.5, didn't hit. Um, Quick trip 250, which I believe would be Road America, finished fourth. 48 points at 10.3, not value. Yeah, but we we kind of adjust our opinion of value at road courses. Well, we do. I mean, I get that, right? But he didn't lead laps. He didn't have fastest laps. He moved up eight spots. That's great. But, like, okay. And then at Atlanta, again, the newly configured one, which is kind of weird. He started second, finished second, seven fastest laps, 32 laps, led 53 points. At 10-3, barely hit value, right? Um, and then last weekend, started 18th, finished 8th, three fastest laps, 47 points at 9-8. So, yes, the finishes are great, but we're going to need them to get Dominator points to really maximize that value. So, at their price tags, who would you rather have, though? Ross Chastain or Kyle Larson? I mean, for me, it's easily Ross Chastain. I would say Chastain, too, only because Larson's is likely to finish top five as he has finished out of the top 20. My other thing right now is, like, Hendrick just hasn't been very good, aside from Chase Elliott. And I contend that's his mustache that's doing it. <laughs> Since he grew back his stash, I am fully on board with, with Garage Guys Chase on this one. Since he grew back the stash, Elliott has finished first, second, first, second. Um. <laughs> and yeah before that so like he had a stash earlier in the year and it was very good finishes right then he shaved the stash off and then it was 29th 23rd 33rd and 21st and then he started growing it back and now it's been eighth first second first second that's just incredible swagger so as much as my wife hates him <laughs> having a stash as her newly adopted favorite driver uh it's gonna have to stay if you want him to have success apparently the the stats don't lie for him. What do you need to see 
out of his teammates, William Byron and Alex Bowman, uh, in practice or qualifying. Um, it's been a rough stretch for those two. It has. I don't know if there's anything I could see from them that would make me play them this week to be perfectly like I'll play them a little bit I guess depending on how many lineups I'm making but I don't know man because every time they start back and they have speed we think oh they're great and then they don't do anything and then they start close to the front and you're like they gotta hold on right New Hampshire you can't pass and Byron goes backwards and then Bowman never moves up so like uh, uh, you know and Bowman well I mean in fairness Bowman crashed very very early in that race and I'm not entirely sure it was his fault, but still, that's two straight 30 seconds or worse. That's three out of the last four that are 30 second or worse. So, I don't know. I mean, I guess if they're the two fastest car far and away, then yes, I'm playing them. But aside from that, I don't I, I don't know. Uh, any interest in Penske this weekend? I mean, I'm going to keep playing Austin Cindric because... Yes. He's only 72. He is coming in with uh, six straight finishes of 13th or better. If you expand that, oh, I'm not going to include the all-star race. So, But, yeah, basically post-all-star race, actually post-Charlotte in general. He's been doing very well, and his price tag is hardly moving. Yeah, I am much more on Blaney and Cindric this week than Logano. I, I don't get the infatuation with pricing Logano where they're pricing him even at 96. Like that's, that's still too high in my, in my opinion. Yeah. It just kind of tells me like he hasn't topped 30 DK points in the last five races. That's kind of his MO though. Is like, uh, he, he, uh, he kind of settles for like 30 to 40 DK points on an, if, if he's running clean, but then he'll have occasional races where he goes out and just, surprises you and steals a win like he did at Darlington, like he did at Gateway. Wasn't really on anybody's radar for the race, even though he was on yeah. the pole for Darlington. Yeah, I mean, that's that's fair. But I will say that his record here is ho-hum, to say, to say the least. Like in the last eight Pocono races, he started 14.4 and finished 16.5. Yeah. That's not great. Compare that to Blaney, who starts 16.9 on average in the last eight races. And finishes 10.6. And if I'm not mistaken, didn't his first wing come here in the 21 car? Blaney? Yes. Yeah. Right. So, you know, Cindric had pretty good pretty good runs here in Xfinity. So, yeah, if I'm going to go with Penske, it's going to be Blaney 1, Cindric 2, Logano 3. I th- um, I'm probably with you on that. I mean, Blaney's 200 bucks cheaper than Logano. No, I understand that. My my big issue is, like, I'm worried that Blaney's just going to come out and do what he did to us last week. You know, because, like, I mean, pretty much true. earlier in the season, he was doing really well on those flat tracks. And then, of course, he's starting outside the top 10 on a flat track last week. You know, this was a style of track that he was excelling at. And then he, like Kyle yeah. Busch, it's like he just couldn't go anywhere. And he went backwards, ultimately. And if this is going to be a track that gets pretty much spread out and it's hard to pass, I don't really want to play him if he's not in a position to get dominators. Like, I'll, 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 of course, plug him in because, one, he's hungry for a win. He needs a win to really lock up the playoff spot. 
and he has one here. Um, but I do have my hesitancy. It's, it seems like anytime somebody shows up with speed in practice, they it, it doesn't translate to actual like green flag runs on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I will say is at 9,400, you don't necessarily need dominators. You just need a very good finish from him, which, yes, has also been uh, a little tricky to come by. But as I say that, he has finished top six in three of the last five races. So, you know, if if he gets... So at 9,400, you need, what, 45 47. points? So if he replicates his, his Nashville race, you get value. He started six, finished third, seven fastest laps, one lap led, 47 points. Fair point. Uh, let's briefly touch on SHR. Really, the only the only guy that's of any interest is Kevin Harvick. Um, Man, this guy has speed for days right now. It's, yeah, he had a top, probably top three car at New Hampshire yes. last week. That car was flying. Yes. 34 was, fastest laps, and he didn't lead a single one. No. It was a very impressive showing from from Harvick, and my prop bet hit on that one, so that was nice. Um, I wish I played a little bit more of them in DFS than just a cash game play. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, he's just churning out top tens. Like, that's that's what he does. Now, unfortunately for him, that probably isn't enough to get him into the playoffs. Um, but he has won here a few different times, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so including, yeah, he's won here. He's finished top four in one, two, three, four, five of the last eight races here. And he's finished eighth or better in all but one of them. The thing I like about these drivers that basically need a win for the playoffs is like I don't think they're going to screw around with track position. You know, they're not. I I don't think that they want to stay out for points. Well, I mean, they could stay out for points, but in doing that, you're going to give up track position later in the race, and you're kind of hoping that nobody else behind you in the standings uh, basically locks in a win because that's just one last playoff spot. So I like to, I'm of the mindset that these drivers like Truex, Blaney and Harvick are chasing like a win to get in. Yeah. And this like for all of the unknowns that we talked about with Pocono, this is still one of only like three tracks without a ton of unknowns left before the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You got Pocono, then you got Indy Road, and last year you can't take anything from that race because the whole freaking curb came up in one of the turns and blew up half the field. Um, so, the, like, Almondinger won it and all, you know, awesomeness or whatever, but, like, half the field got taken out by a curb. Um, Michigan, pretty standard two-mile track. That's fine. Richmond, pretty standard two-mile track. But then you finish with Watkins Glen, another road course which generally eliminates about half, like, I don't know, three quarters of the field. And then you got Daytona, which is obviously Daytona. So this is one of those races where the, if you need a win, you got to pick your, your spot and go for it this weekend. So I would, I would think that SHR is kind of on a roll right now with the speed that they're bringing. Um, so Harvick is going to be pretty highly highly popular i would think this week 
And the price is still good at 9000 Yeah, he's probably a little underpriced given the speed that he's shown. Um, I, I can't say I'm going to really play too much Eric Almarola. Um, but, I mean, as but is the case... But it's a short, with... flat track. No, I'm kidding. Because it's, <laughs> it's just flat. Uh, but as is the case with Briscoe, Almarola, and even Custer. Custer I was super heavy on last week, and then he pit late, and that cost me about two grand. Well, he was going to run out of gas. so it's He played the game where maybe there'd be yeah. a late race caution, yeah. and then he gets track position because everybody else will have to pit, and he won't. And But it, it didn't happen. Um, all right. Among these value options underneath uh, AK, we've kind of already touched on Daniel Suarez. Uh, Eric Jones, Bubba Wallace, Brad Keselowski, um, Austin Sindrick, Austin Dillon. Uh, aside from Sindrick, pretty much all these guys are fighting for a win. Um, haven't hated the speed that I've seen from Jones, but I was still a little bit disappointed last week with just you know the 19th place finish at New Hampshire. Yeah, didn't move up nearly as much as I thought he would. Right. Um, <clears throat> on that one, I thought I thought that was a nice. Thing. I have no idea where that third place finish from Bubba Wallace came from, to be perfectly honest. I did not see that coming at all. Um, I don't know what to make of him this week until he gets on track, and even then I probably won't know what to make of him. Um, see, I think I'm just going to, regardless of where he's starting, just play him. Because if we do anticipate some difficulties in passing, and if I'm just playing equipment and drivers that i trust now bubba's not necessarily a driver that i have a like complete confidence in but we are seeing him you know finish third at new hampshire last week um i mean he's just surprised us on a few tracks and i don't think he can pull off back-to-back top fives but i wouldn't complain if he started outside top 20 finished 12th or better um because, I mean, we know the equipment's there. Um, it certainly sucks to, for him to watch his old pit crew or some of those his old pit crew members celebrating in pit road with uh, or Victor yeah. and Christopher Bell. So Bubba's just now, a I guy will... that I do want to play because the price tag is still nice, and these Toyotas have had decent speed, and I just want exposure to Bubba no matter what. Yeah, I will say, as much as we just said that the field inverted last year and whatnot, he was in 23XI equipment last year. Um, he started the first race 20th, finished it 14th, which then got him to start, I believe, 7th yeah. in the second race. And he finished 5th, which is impressive considering the fact that there was a bunch of dudes coming from the trying to come from the back, uh, and he still held serve. So, uh, I don't I mean, yeah, I guess I like where your head's at with that where you just got to kind of got to play them because if you're trying to get too cute with the leverage, you're going to miss it one way or the other, I would guess. But Who are you, uh, I know it's pretty difficult to preview the, the value range because it's really going to come down to where everyone's starting. Um, is there anyone that kind of sticks out to you in this sub 7k range? I know Chris Busher has a win here due to, you know, the fog the fog. Um, Ricky Stenhouse hasn't been bad, but he just also hasn't been elite. Which Dare I say, I place. think he's just like, yeah, he's only 6,600. Yeah. But I mean, like, even then, it's like at this price for 5X, you're hoping for probably 30 to 33 points. 
And if he goes out and just gets you like, you know, 25, like that might be okay for cash games, but you're not taking anything down with Ricky Stenhouse getting you 25. So he probably needs a lot of PD on his side. Yeah, I would say so. The one that intrigues me, I'm going to sound like a broken record here, but Harrison Burton intrigues me. That's fair. Um, For a couple of reasons. One, I saw some interesting passing for him in New Hampshire. It didn't always pay off, obviously. But um, the Wood Brothers team seems to do well on longer tracks, like the ones where they can just let the engine fly seems you know previously hasn't really mattered the driver it just seems like they always have fast cars when they show up at places like auto club and michigan and pocono and uh indy when they ran the oval there um so he's intriguing to me i'm not saying he's a lock by any means he didn't exactly do very well at auto club but nor the xfinity series did he do well here no, so there's risk Rex here, obviously. Um, but there's something nagging at me about the 21 car this week, and I I don't know exactly what it is. I think my favorite punt's probably just going to be Todd Gilliland again. Um, definitely needs some PD. Like I like it when he starts outside the top 30 because it's it's a top 25 car i feel he's got jesus uh six seven eight he hasn't finished outside the top 25 since i think it was dover at the beginning of may um but again you know that's not slate breaking by any means uh if he's offering a lot of pd then yes it most certainly can be if he can go out and get 35 to 40 points um, but in the truck series, four races for Gilliland in the truck series, he finished seventh last year, then fourth, seventh, and seventh. Okay. Um, completely different series. Uh, levels of competition vary, but this isn't awful equipment. By now, ways. here's a question for <clears throat> you. What about Noah? Is he in colleague? He is. What is he? Sixteen. He's in the yeah, sixteen. Yeah, so it's the other colleague. Um, I'll probably play him in GPPs because I we've seen him have that thirty point upside on DraftKings, but right. we've also seen him just be a complete dud and not be able to go anywhere in this equipment. Yeah, I agree. Now, one thing that I think has changed since his last appearance is that there is a Chevy car open in the forty-two. So you think he really wants to make a good first impression? Yeah, there could also be the eight open if RCR decides to cut Redick a year early to not deal with the awkwardness. But I don't, I don't see that happening. Um, Do you think though he's that eager to make the jump from Xfinity to the Cup that he would essentially go to? I'm not saying Petty GMS is bad equipment. But he's with JRM, and that's usually a pipeline for Hendrick. And I know Hendrick doesn't have any yeah, seats but they're open. Not gonna, and they're not going to have seats open for a while. But there are, the like, these rumblings and rumors that, you know, Junior could buy out RCR and take get those charters, and that easily opens up a seat for Noah when the time is right. Well, so I don't know that he's going to buy out all of RCR. I think, he, I think what he could convince Childress to do is fork over – the charter for the eight car because it's his old number it ties back to the and you know 
whatnot, and that's certainly a lot cheaper than buying out the entire, um, you know, the entirety of Richard Childress racing. Plus, then it still allows, um, you know, the grandson to race for the grandfather in Austin Dillon. Uh, which, by the way, how does one grandson get a gifted top-notch ride and the other one gets shafted every freaking year? Well, to be fair, Ty Dillon did say, has said in the past that he kind of wanted to carve his own path. Yeah. He, he wanted to – I mean, he liked being with Jermaine Racing in the 13th. Yeah. You know, he was hoping that team could stick together and, and, and didn't Well, once the Geico sponsorship went Correct. away, there was no money yeah. to, to back up that team unfortunately um plus ty Dillon spent like last year doing a bunch of dirt racing like a bunch of dirt racing and he i don't know maybe he'll tie in with larson and his brother-in-law with the new dirt racing tour that they're putting together um larson and brad sweat or brad sweet whatever his name is um so i don't know i think there is I, I think there's a lot of talk that, that Noah moves up this year because the I don't know that he wants to bide his time for a whole nother season. I also think that I also think that if JRM were to enter the Cup Series, if it's two cars, then he's got an easy shot at the seat. But if it's if just it's one, one, it probably right. goes to Allgaier. Probably, yeah, because he's the more. Well, one, he, he's, uh, he's, he's had cup experience. He's more seasoned. He's got plenty of experience. Plus, he uh, is just more of a professional at the moment. Right. And I think his sponsor would follow him there, whereas Grant's, right. and I'm not sure that would be the case. Um, so I think Gregson is an intriguing play only because I don't know how many more races he's going to run this year in the Cup Series, but I think he wants to make a good impression. Consider the fact his name's already being rumored as the top you know the the top choice to fill the 42 seat uh any other drivers or strategies you wanted to uh, wanted to touch on pretty much tried to stretch this podcast out as long as possible for uh, a couple guys that really don't know what to expect until we see cars on track yeah i mean you know it's just kind of those guys that we're intrigued by but might not make the playbook so it's worth tossing them out there um strategy wise i would say we could do a couple different things one you're going to need a dominator um i don't know that you're going to see multiple dominators here i don't think that's usually a um a hallmark of pocono races so i think you could probably build off of one um passing will be pretty tough because if you don't get multiple spots on restarts it's going to be real hard to pick guys off more than one at a time every few laps because they just get so spread out. Well, the two longest straightaways of the year that are on ovals uh, are on this track. Mm -hmm. The front stretch is the longest, and the long pond straightaway, which is between turns one and two, is the second longest straightaway of any oval on um, the schedule. So that you know that tends to um, spread things out. So I would go with for cash. We're just going to go after finish position, build with one dominator, and then go for finish position. Uh, for GPPs, you could take a little bit more risk. Um, maybe go with two dominators, but probably just stick with one. And then maybe start with guys who are starting a little further back in the hope that they can move up more. But we also have to keep our eye on the weather. 
because if they shift the race at all or if it gets the delay or they call it after the second stage, then it's going to you know cut into Dominator points. All right. Well, Matt, thank you so much for your time. Best of luck to you this week and best of luck to the FA Nation. Best of luck, FA Nation.